There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello again, Blues. It's the Toffee Web Podcast. Back again to discuss the state of Evertonia, where things change but an awful lot stays the same. Like Idrissa Gay's limbo between PSG and Goodison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin being out injured, and Everton preparing for another Premier League match with just one largely unfancied and slightly past its striker. Things may be awfully familiar at Finch Farm, but around here I'm really pleased to say that El Bretland is back at Toffee Web Towers after his lengthy hiatus. El's been off playing the game of life, basically, with all kinds of life events, not least the arrival in May of a baby girl. El, welcome back, mate. How's fatherhood treating you? Yeah, so after all the sleepless nights of last season, uh, May came, I became a dad, and they, and they carried on right through the summer. And it's been again, you know, more sense as the season starts again. So, so all fun and games. <laughs> Uh, Paul and I are here, of course, uh, duty calls for Adam, but Andy Howard joins us from our Italian bureau, uh, probably set, spent his most of the day by the pool in the Mediterranean sun. How are we, Andy? I really don't want this to come across the wrong way, that every time I come onto a podcast, I'm in a different location. It, my life is genuinely not like that, um, but you're, I am on a family holiday at the moment. I'm on the top of a hotel, sixth floor, and I'm looking out over the twinkling lights of Bologna. There is a jacuzzi up here. It's not on at present. It's not as glamorous as it sounds because it's also raining. I'm kind of huddled under one of the covers up here. So let's not get this out of perspective. (laughs) Well, it's nine days since we last recorded and plenty has been going on at Everton. Uh, I joked about Adrissa Gay and his slow motion return to Goodison. And I think it's four weeks now since we were discussing... Uh, what appeared back then to be an imminent signing, but it looks as though that one is going to get over the line and it's only a matter of time. Although whether it's in time to play on Saturday, I'm not sure. I don't know if the deadline uh, was noon today or noon tomorrow. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's start uh, 
Let's start by looking back at the Villa game because I think it will be facing a lot of the same challenges this weekend. Uh, and the chat around uh, potential signings before the deadline will probably flow out of that. Uh, so, Paul, uh, what were your thoughts on the lineup, how Lampard set us up, and obviously the eventual uh, disappointing outcome of the game? I didn't. Um, I, I was disappointed not to see either Delhi or Rondon start the game. Um, it, we felt a little sort of toothless against Chelsea, and I thought we set a little bit toothless against. Villa as well, really. I thought that said, I haven't seen Rondon for 20, 30, 20 minutes or so. He didn't do a lot, did he? So maybe, maybe he wouldn't have done much in the hour. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Quite depleted, really, what we can actually do in the team. So I can kind of see why Frank did that, and I suppose it nearly worked anyway. I mean, like you know, if, if, if Anthony Gordon's goal is onside, if he if he just gets himself back onside there, then for one up, and I could I could see us going on and winning the game from from there if we if we'd have got the nose, our noses in front. As with the, the two goals we gave away, were just kind of you know when we lost possession and then Villa broke. I mean, the the first one was a bit disappointing, sort of pretty poor defending generally, although albeit a good finish. Just um, a little bit frustrating because I don't think Villa. Yeah, they weren't great value for their win. That's what frustrated me. And um, two two games, both times, you'd say Chelsea weren't great value for their win, nor were Villa. So two games, two tight defeats. But at the end of the day, no points. And uh, now I'll go on to, and I thought I mentioned this last week, it's, we could be going into this game coming up as a, uh, it all of a sudden becomes a bit of a must-win game. And that's kind of where we're at really now. Um, and the, the way the week's been, it just feels like preparation might have been difficult. There's been obviously uncertainty over Anthony Gordon, uncertainty over Deli Alley. No new players through the door yet. You know I mean, we've got another injury on Saturday to the, the core there. It's another player down who probably won't be available. You know I mean, so there's a lot of... Um, it makes me worry about this weekend a little bit. It just doesn't feel like great preparation moving forward into this weekend. So that's my biggest concern really at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I think... It's... Very dysfunctional, really. I think you really do need that that focal point up top. And it's just a shame that, you know, I think Everton have done well recruitment-wise, and you can see that the team is is in, is in a much better shape in terms of how it, you know, builds up the play and how it defends. I think we're a lot more solid. But I think that was a, a big gaping hole. And, you know, two games is six points, and... As we saw at the end of last season, six points is a massive amount of games, and and it, it's sort of I feel like we've come away with two defeats when, you know, I think fine margins really came into it. And if, if you've got that focal point or somebody who knows how to how to play that centre forward role and can maybe finish some of the chances that we that we set up, you know, we're, we're maybe looking at a point on the board, two points, maybe even more. Um, so for Villa, I just think it was it was very disjointed because we just didn't have that. We didn't have that presence up front, and I agree with Paul. I would have liked to have seen Deli Ali or Rondon up there. I appreciate that they may not be 100% fit, but I think in terms of the functionality of the team, I think we really needed that to start the game, to, to sort of keep us in it or put us ahead. Um, so it was it was, it was was just very disjointed, and it was, it was a very irritating game to watch because you, you knew that whatever we could muster, it probably wasn't going to finish in a goal. It was just completely toothless because we don't have that presence up front I noticed Lampard said that afterwards that it, it's normal not to have um, a, a kind of a, a recognised striker that was his words that he used but I do think that this team requires somebody anybody to be 
the focal point and if that is Rondon for the time being I mean there's rumours that his, he isn't fit but I, I don't quite know how that's possible really I mean he seems to have had a full pre-season unless I've missed something um, and I, I just think I, I even cast my mind and think well would Ellis Sims be better up there than just somebody who knows how to play the role rather than you know, putting three players who none of whom are a, a striker really across the front. I know it might work if you're a Chelsea or it might work if you're a Man City. I mean, these are well-oiled machines with much better players behind them um, in a better system that, that's just more established. I, I just, I would have, I agree with you. I would have liked, even though it's an easy thing to say from the outside, you don't, you, you don't see them every day. But I would have liked to have seen Rondon start. And just, you know, if, if that's us from a striking point of view for a couple of weeks, then that's us. Um, try, it feels like he's tried to make something else work. And I think it's pretty obvious that it hasn't. Um, with Onana starting, I, could quite, I can quite happily see why he wouldn't do that. And even why he wouldn't bring him on first change when there was an injury, because he clearly doesn't think he's fit. Um, but with if Rondon is... 75% fit I hate to say I'm going to say this out loud as a sentence now if Rondon's 75% fit I'd play him <laughs> I mean crikey what have we become but, um, but but that would be yeah that would be my frustration from it as well because the system is more important than the players I think I think you're 100% right I think that uh, it's 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 important for an Everton for Everton to have that focal point you know, it's all very well saying that you know you don't need to have a, a centre forward. Well, you don't need a centre forward if you're somewhere like Frank, like the, the Chelsea team that Frank Lampard played in, or the Chelsea team that Frank Lampard managed. I mean, this is a a team that struggles to move the ball forward through midfield. Um, did so against Aston Villa. I mean, you know, it was it was it was a challenge. Um, not least when after um, Decore went off, I thought we were better against Chelsea actually, um, just moving the ball around than we were at Villa. Um, and Rondon was was present throughout preseason, but he didn't play a lot in the games in preseason. I think that's the that's the issue. And Lampard alluded to it in a, in, a, in his one of his pre um, match press conferences, or I think it was the one before Villa, where he said he's still still on a preseason footing. I think he said in reference to Rondon. Um, which I find baffling. You know, why why is he not ready? But and I think Andy exactly as you said. Even if he's not, even if he's only seventy five percent fit, the need for points, even at this early stage of the season, um, for me means that you you ring as much as you can out of someone like Rondon, um, even if he isn't you know the world's best centre forward by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think he showed when he came on. Not necessarily what he individually can do, but what he can provide for the team as a focal point. Um, and I think, you know, with that one flick on that almost led to a goal, it, it just shows you that just having a presence up there, um, whether it's Rondon, whether it's Alice Sims, uh, would, would, would make a difference. And I think that the decision to let Sims leave before the deadline is looking increasingly questionable. Uh, the fact that we're going into our third Premier League match this weekend without another striker is is staggering to me it's staggering i know that i know the state of the market um i know that we've obviously got challenges in that regard and we're being linked with all and sundry but for us to be going into this third game which isn't going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination without another striker is just it, it baffles me yeah and it's it, it's if you look back as well if you look back to to last season 
there were times when we knew that Calvert-Lewin was injured and that Rondon wasn't up to speed. Um, and I think that's where the recruitments fell down, is that, for me, I mean, I've not worked for a Premier League football club. I don't know the inner workings of the contracts and the deals and how it works. But for me, when that that awful fright that we've all had in May, that Everton could have been in the Championship this season, that's where you look at where the team is and you think, right, Calvert-Lewin has been in and out of, of the team this season with, with, you know, a bad injury. And Rondon's, you know, pushing his mid-30s soon. And he's, you know, that that was never enough for this season. It was never, ever enough. And I feel that, you know, yes, the transfer window deadline is, is at one time, but we played five Premier League games before then. That's a staggering 15 mm-hmm. points. Now, I looked in, I looked at some of the, the stats from the past. 15 points. If you take that away from us last season, we are really relegated. If you add that to the Roberto Martinez team in 2014, Everton would have won the league. Like that that's how big a deal <laughs> these five that's how big a deal those yeah. five games are, you know. You can't just think, oh, mm-hmm. oh the transfer window deadline's still open, we've still got time. For me, as a, a professional business that needs footballers to put the ball in the back of the net to be a successful business, <laughs> you can't wait for uh, you know these deadlines. You need to look at when the season starts and what you need to be successful on the pitch. And so, as I say, I think the recruitment in terms of the personnel, spot on. But that big hole up front, it, it, you know, Calvert-Lewin's injury shouldn't have really taken anybody by surprise. It, you know, we should have. We should have been looking ahead to think. Well, he could he could pick up another injury. We can't rely on the two, and it's not to say that we can't rely on them, but it's just it was never ever going to be enough. You, you can't have those two players with their current fitness and with their form over the last twelve months to go into the season hoping that everything's going to be rosy. We needed somebody else for me. We've talked about the food chain, haven't we? You know, over the summer, and we're ever now in the food chain, and we we all appreciate that. So maybe we can't dictate when every deal is done, and fans get frustrated with that. Why aren't we signing X before we say we sign Y? We get where we are in the food chain, but I I completely agree with you, El. That surely somebody could have been targeted that can play a role that it's obviously going to be part of the team going forward. Um, yeah, I find it. I, I do find it baffling. And, and you know, like you've said, if, if we don't win, or even worse, we lose this weekend, then then it's cumulative, isn't it? Then pressure starts. Then it's like, oh, Everton are struggling again in the wider world. You know, um, then we're thinking, well, where where is this win coming from? Then, you know, um, because whoever signs ne- this week, next week, the week after, it's gonna, they're going to need time as well. Um, so yeah, I, I I do find it baffling. I mean, having said all that, I think if we got a point against Villa, I would have had us at par. I think you know if you discard what happens against the top clubs because you know that's what we tend to do, um, a point at Villa would be on par. So we're only technically I think one point behind where we'd like to be, but it feels like a long way. It feels a lot further than that at the moment. You say if we get to like uh, another five games and we still haven't signed our striker, as you say, oh, that's over one eight for the season. <laughs> that one five games, if you look at it that way, isn't it? And then um, Mondon, um, I think when he did that silly lunge against uh, was it Brentford towards the end of last season, mm-hmm. he spent the rest of the game. I think that nearly everyone, every man and his dog, was like uh, 
oh, that's the last we've seen of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's like, clearly what everyone thought. Everyone we all, you know, hoped as much. If oh, he is still hanging around, <laughs> he'd just be hanging around. It'd be one of them we haven't managed to get rid of because surely we'll have somebody else in by then. You know what I mean? And, and that we haven't. It's it's pretty criminal, really, especially obviously we knew the Charleston was going. It's been a long time since the Charleston left. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's disappointing, really. And yeah, I guess just Calvert Lewin alone not being there. Scuppered everything really in that regard, didn't it? And it, and that the, it sounds so familiar, doesn't it? That there was no sort of plan B, it seems, for that. And um, yeah, doing a bit of a hole now. And uh, um, like, I, yeah, I had the messages earlier, didn't he, in the, in, in the group saying, like, make sure you talk about the players that Everton um, are linked with <laughs> and why why aren't any of them scoring goals. It's a pretty damn good point, isn't it? That the uh, your, your Che Adams, your Mopes, etc., even Brozier, not all over the goals last season, although. You know, he, he, he does look a player of potential. It does, um, yeah. It's a bit of a bit of a concern. I'm not hasn't set my imagination on on fire. Um, Mope and Che Adams, to be fair, seeing those two players linked, um, both seem busy players. But yeah, without much goal return, you never really seen them before. And thought, oh god, he drill. You know, you never really worried about them players too much when when we played played them. Seems see Che Adams is very busy. Southampton turn us over quite a lot down at their place, but. That's about it, isn't it? You know, so hoping that the uh, I'm wrong about them or that these sort of players um, they they see something that we that, that I don't because it hasn't really inspired me to be honest. Feels a little bit desperate to me. <laughs> yeah, <it> does, <laughs> you know, it? yeah. it's when you when you look around. I mean, obviously everyone wants everyone wants a goal scorer. Um, you know, it's it's the the current goals being the currency of football, and it's why you know um, this. Um, Gonzalo uh, Ramos of Benfica has obviously been linked with um, the likes of Newcastle and I think Forrest. I mean, Forrest are trying to buy everyone, it seems. <laughs> and, and there was this kind of tenuous link with us. Um, you know, he is only 21. He'd be a bit of a gamble. But, you know, he, he, as I put on Twitter, he's really the only one that, that kind of intrigues me in terms of what he could possibly offer. Uh, I think the the logic behind a Che Adams or a, even a Mope to, to a degree is it's maybe a striker that's a bit more in the Richarlison mold, someone who can kind of play multiple roles across the front, um, you know, maybe hold the ball up a bit better, not necessarily from an aerial point of view, but just sort of keeping it on the deck and, and, and again, sort of playing others in. Um, but yeah, it just it, there doesn't seem to be anyone that we that we're being linked with that, that really is a a Calvert Lewin replacement. Um, and so from that, I mean, from that point of view, just the, the whole the whole situation around this the, the striker situation just seems to be a massive gamble to me. Because as you said, Al, no one should be surprised that that he's broken down with with injury again. I mean, to have not taken that history last season's history into account I mean people have been throwing around this word you know it's just gross negligence <laughs> it is to a degree I mean it's 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 you know and you could get away with it if if again going back to the, to the sort of the Chelsea example if you've got goals from midfield we have no goals in midfield and so mm. that's one of the um, <laughs> I mean that to me is is the biggest the biggest the biggest problem of the lot is you know, you lose your strikers and you've got no goals in the side yeah, it was quite alarming to me as well. Lampard was interviewed after Calvert-Lewin's injury. And the, the, the journalist basically put it to him, you know, has that changed your thinking in terms of going in the market? And he sort of admitted that it did. And that's that's when I was a bit alarmed because I thought, but as I mentioned before, that the two strikers that we've got currently, we needed more. And it, 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 was, it, was, it was quite telling as well that the players were being linked with. It's almost like Calvert-Lewin's still the main man. We're, we're buying players that may be happy to make way for Calvert-Lewin, whereas I would much rather... 
we buy maybe somebody who will give us a plan B, maybe be different to Calvert-Lewin or could compete with Calvert-Lewin? Because obviously at the moment it's very difficult to tell how much money Everton have got to spend. Well, you know, that seems quite up in the air. But um, it was that, you know, Lampard's worked with this team for, for, you know, half a year now. And we we just need more because it's all right making the team more solid at one end. But then, as you mentioned, Lyndon, goals are the currency of football. And if if you can't get that to, to tally up at the other end, you're going to be in trouble again. When I look at the likes of um, Brozier to an extent, um, Adams, Mope, I wonder whether... It sounds a bit strange to even say it, but I wonder whether the goals aren't necessarily the most important thing they'll bring. Um, they are all players who link up quite well especially in the case I've got two mates who are Southampton fans who go to games quite a lot and I've asked them about um, Jay Adams and they both say he's not fantastic in front of goal but what he does do is bring other players into the game quite well and he does that consistently I'm just wondering we don't have goals in the team so it's almost it seems silly saying it but I wonder whether the, what they can bring those kind of players can bring will be of real benefit to us even though they might not be the ones that are in you know in the headlines for scoring lots of goals but you you kind of want both don't you I mean this and this is how far behind we are in that recruitment you know, in the recruitment of that area because you know you might want different types of striker for different types of scenario and we, you know we, we are so far behind in that in that, in that department so is, is the solution selling Anthony Gordon to raise that money to, to then be able to go out and buy that top striker is that uh, I, I, I worry about I don't call it a solution <laughs> that's really a solution but is that the uh, the path we end up going down to make sure we get that striker and then probably probably a replacement for, for Gordon as well is that what, is that what, it, what it comes to uh, sadly I mean the money the money that's been talked about for Anthony Gordon it's sometimes the money's just too good to turn down right I mean that's, that seems like a you know how could Everton turn that if it is if you end up getting a fifty million pound offer, even forty five to be fair, it's quite difficult to turn that down. I would say for for Gordon, if that means you can then go and get that strike, you know, rather than running around for a Che Adams or a Mopey, you can you know crank that up a notch and get someone with like some real caliber, some you know some um, real return, some real goal threat. Maybe maybe that's what we have to do. Um, it seems that way at the moment, particularly and Delhi Ali sparsely been used, uh, not 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 in a starting role anyway, but. He seems to be on the way, at least on loan. So it's which diminishes our goal threat yet even more. So um, I think that might end up being what we end up. Sorry, that might be what what we end up doing. Um, what do you what do you guys think about that? Do you think we should we should sell if the money's if the money's that that good? Yeah, well, if you remember, I think it was the, the first podcast that we recorded. I think Adam Adam was the was on it with us, and after we finished recording, I kind of posed the question to you, yeah. to you fellas, because it was just after uh, that link with Spurs when Spurs was supposed to be offering thirty five, and I said to you, "Do you sell Anthony Gordon for thirty five million?" And at the time, I think Paul, you said no. But once it starts getting to forty five and fifty, I mean that that is um, that's uh, you know transfer strategy changing money. Um, and I think that um, if if a striker and I I don't I, I don't know enough about the European you know recruitment and and we've seen about the, what kind of players are available. But if you know, let's assume that there's a striker out there that we could that would be in that bracket 
above the, you know Che Adams and Neil Mope, um, which obviously there must be. Um, then, then the Gordon money would enable us to go in to do that. And I mean, looking at it now, I mean, think that that must be the priority. That if we can get that much money for Anthony Gordon, then I think we do go we go into the market and we try and invest to a degree that we're not able to right now in someone who can put the ball in the back of the net because it's it's going to be a big problem. And I'm I'm I mean I'm you know you don't want to get too concerned two games in. Hopefully not three games in <laughs> this time next week, but you know, just uh, it's starting to look. It's starting. You're starting to get a bit nervous about where the goals are going to come from, um, and there are teams, you know, teams that we're going to be facing in the I mean, coming weeks, like Brentford away. That you know, last season, had we approached it in the right way, should have been you know easy routine three points, but we were terrible in that game. But now we go there, and it's it's, it's a different proposition because they're playing with a lot more confidence, and you know they're a better footballing team than we are right now, let's be honest. Um, and so this is the concern, is there There seems to be fewer easy games in the Premier League now. Um, and ultimately, again, it comes down to goals. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, 50 million is an awful lot of money for uh, an, uh, basically a player that's still a prospect. Um, as exciting as, you know, he seems to be... Um, at the end of the day, it is unfulfilled potential. Um, and as I put in the article on Toffee Web, it's, you know, every player is potentially just a, an injury away from having their career derailed either temporarily or, you know, in the, in the long term. Um, and so when you're, when you're talking about those sums of money, I think you just have to put sentiment aside and say, you know what, this is, this is um, it's almost like a lottery win. Um, and for a club in our position, with our um, restrictions, you know, the profits, profitability and sustainability restrictions, I think it's, it's uh, you don't look that kind of gift horse in the mouth. Um, so <laughs> it doesn't seem there's any urgency about it. I mean, both he and Deli Ali were training today um, in the pictures released by the club. Um, so no one's rushing for the exit, um, but time, <laughs> time's a wasting. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm in the minority with my Anthony Gordon, should we sell him viewpoint? Because I think... While 50, it sounds insane to say, but 50 million, I don't think, does change things in the current market anymore. Because, I mean, today, Morgan gives White to Forrest for £44.5 million. Pound. I mm. don't think that the 50 million number would do enough for us in terms of how Everton recruits to let Anthony Gordon go. Now, for me, the, the way you look at it is we've spent over £30 million on Anana. Lille, last year, spent £6 million on him. Now, Anthony Gordon going for 50, you could get a new team if you could find 11 and honours before they get the big move to the Premier League, if that makes sense. Um, so for me, I, I just think with Richarlison going in the year we had last year, when I first saw the reports, I'm still in the camp of, I think it's better to keep Gordon, just because I think Lampard's new in the role, and I just feel like it's even more upheaval, and a, another quite a big gap in the team, even though Gordon's only a young lad, and as you say, Lyndon, it is still unfulfilled potential. He hasn't really like pulled up any trees, but I think in terms of he's just got that number ten shirt. He has got a high ceiling, I think, in terms of his talent. I think it's a really, really difficult decision for Everton. Even even with it sounds mm -hmm. it does sound crazy, fifty million pound, fifty mil. But I just I just don't know if it if it does enough to to help Everton in the current situation that they're in. I think that having Anthony Gordon in the team and, and giving it another year where 
Lampard can build the team and sort of add different parts of the team. I just feel that Gordon Gowan leaves another quite a big gap because he has made himself a regular in the team. I suppose this is why we love football, isn't it? Because we've all got a different opinion. Um, I, I, I couldn't be further the other way. I, I just think we simply have to sell Anthony Gordon for that money. I, I, just, I can't see a scenario where that's a bad thing. I mean, I know, don't get me wrong, I like Anthony Gordon as a player and I, I, I like him from the outside as a kid. He seems to be really committed, exactly what we want to see on the football pitch playing for Everton. I get all that. I don't think he is a £50 million player. I don't think in any market he's going to be one. I mean, I just can't see... Who knows what the market will look like in three years' time. Maybe, maybe everybody will be a £50 million footballer in three years' time. But I, I just cannot see how he's worth that money um, and that's after a really promising first season I just can't see how he's worth it the, the one thing is of course this is talking in a normal world not in an Everton world um, because in a normal world I think we go right well let's get the money and reinvest it you're right in taking that money and him another hole in the team all of a sudden we've got so much work to do in these next two what is it two weeks i can't remember yeah it's two weeks isn't it till the, the window closes there's so much work to do it's not even two weeks is it um less, less 13 yeah. days is it i mean there's so much work to do there um that's the that i, I get that side of the argument in the in you know the timing is everything but anthony gordon 50 million pounds I mean, um, I mean, Harlan went for fifty-two, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I know, I know, these deals are all different, and I know I get that, but um, I, I just can't see how we can turn the money down. I just can't see it because it's pure profit for Everton. He's a youth product. I mean, that sorts an awful lot out for a start. And are the players around that could be as effective as him? Probably. For not much, or not as much, anyway. Um, and I, I don't like saying that because I'm obviously a fan of Everton, pros- uh, Everton youth prospects and graduates and scousers and Evertonians playing for Everton. I, I, I'm, you know, obviously, we, we all love that. But I just think uh, at the time this has come to fruition, the time that it's happened in the club's kind of ever-changing timeline, um, it just has to be money that's taken for me. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think we all we all love the you know the boyhood blue playing for the for the first team. Um, you know we've you know we revere them. They all have their songs. Um, you know, Anthony Gordon is not a fifty million pound player now. Um, he is to Chelsea because he's English. He's young. They're prepared to to make that investment now because they're you know paying up front and 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 sort of trying to land a a young prospect ahead of other people, other clubs. Um, it's unlikely his value will ever be higher for that reason. Um, you know, so I just, I just think that if we can, if we can invest that money wisely, I think it's worth more to us now than it would be say in a year's time or even two years time. If we're talking about the same amount of money, potentially even less, you know, if, if he, if he does, if his career doesn't take off the way that we envisage. Um, and then again, and then it comes down to, the market that we're buying in, if we're talking, let's say for the sake of argument, we're talking about a striker. We've been shopping in France. Let's, um, for the sake of argument, again, someone like Moussa Dembele, Lyon, if we aren't prepared to take, you know, a smaller upfront payment, then it's different from the Morgan Gibbs-White situation because obviously, you know, 
Wolves have, have demanded 25 million up front, which for us, when you're talking about that much on one player, it rather negates the um, the FFP benefit um, mm-hmm. because so much is going on one player. But if we can get you know an, another one of these really nicely structured deals like the Onana one, where we're paying smaller fee up front, um, more of it over the lifetime the lifetime of the contract, then I think that's where the benefit of selling Anthony Gordon now would come. Um, if not that, then you buy two or three players who can who can chip in with certainly more goals than he would offer us over the next season, um, and enough goals to to solve that particular problem that we you know we've just been talking about. Yeah, it's what we do with the money, I guess, isn't it? It's um, yeah, you're right, Alan. Not like I, mean, I, I can see I can see why you'd think, but well, that won't do Everton much good right now, given how badly we've signed players these last these last few years. There's that's a bit of a concern, but. Uh, yeah. It kind of feels to me like it might be. It's kind of the only. It feels like the only way out of it, out of this, if we're going to sign real quality in attack. Otherwise, we're signing like a, like you say, a Mope or a Chai Adams. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what they got up the sleeve. Obviously, we don't know. You know what, what's going on behind behind the scenes. They, they, you know, kind of an honor came from no, from nowhere really. I know he was linked earlier in the year, but no one expected that to happen like that. You know, so. We don't know what they got to Steve, but yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be in the camp as well. Of like, the, I just think the money's just too good. It's it, it's as simple as that. And I think when the money's too good, you you kind of got to cash in. And it, it's sad. I don't like saying that. And it's too many of the lads have gone, haven't they? The the, the younger, you know, the the, the 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 local players, and we don't need to name them all. We know who they are. It's, it's sad to see them all move on. Um, especially as Gordon, this one doesn't seem like he particularly, you know, he's like crying out for the move. He's not being difficult. You know what I mean? He's a really good lad. You know what I mean? Doesn't seem like he wants to move, and it's just kind of, you know, one of them things, isn't it? Um, yeah, um, I'd, I'd be, yeah, I think we just have to take the money. Simple as that, really, for me. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If we do, if we do cash in on Anthony Gordon, I wouldn't. I'm not like completely against it. I just think that at the moment we've got. It's it goes back to what we said about the recruitment. It's it's such big money, but we're sort of doing a rebuild, and I don't know. I I feel like the money that we'd be getting, it's still it's difficult. It's sort of like the balance act, isn't it? Of what you do in the short term to benefit you in the long term, and while that money is really essential now, I just look at other parts of the team and where we can get the money in terms of some players are on higher wages. They may go for a lower. Um, Transfer free, they may even go on a free transfer, but I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not. I'm not saying that Anthony Gordon's a, a key player, but I suppose in this current Everton team, he is because just because that 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 is that is the reality of the Everton of the Everton setup at the moment. So I do. I think I think I completely agree that the money is silly money, but I do. I think this is still a, a bit of a risk for Everton, but I think it's one of those that you can only really judge it a few years down the line, really. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You just never know uh, whether the decision was a right one uh, further down the line. Um, one to player that we mentioned earlier, obviously, who could be leaving, looks to be leaving, again, even though he was at uh, Finch Farm today, is Deli Alley. Um, I think with the club having to the view, the, the situation, his situation in terms of a £10 million outlay that's going to become due at some point this season, if we keep playing him, um, it, it's almost, I mean, it comes into the, into the conversation when you're plotting new signings, doesn't it? <clears throat> because it is a, 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 a piece of, a, a slice of money that's got to be put to, to use somewhere. Um, and so I, I think Lampard and Kevin Thelwell might even have had that in mind as, as to, to assess him for this coming season. Um, 
in conjunction with his attitude and his performances uh, in training and kind of weigh that up against this this sort of 10 million pound time bomb that's going that, that's ticking um so i think you can see a situation where lampard and the club have thought um you know if we can offload him and and, and sort of take that 10 million pounds out of the equation for this season at least um then it'll free up space for another new signing and potentially someone um who can offer more than we've seen from Deli Alley in an Everton shirt to this point um because the I, I i think we all seem to feel that we haven't seen enough of that spark that we would have liked to have seen um that would kind of reignite a career that god it promised so much um you know so at uh, so much so young um that I don't, I don't think that it's going to be a mistake if we if we sort of ship him out this this season even if it is on loan well we're talking about now and future at the moment I don't think we would go and sign Deli Ali for 10 million pounds I think what that's what the club is saying with this deal isn't it we wouldn't actively go out find him and sign him for 10 million and that's probably where Lampard and Farewell got to um Sorry, a plane's going overhead. Um, it's quite a loud one as well. Um, but what I think about Deli Ali is that there's something strange. Not strange. There's something we don't know about going on there. I'm sure of it. Because at no point is he been trusted, really, with a first-team role, even when we were desperate, even when we were in, even in-game, when... Everton needed something like at the end of last season. He wasn't really trusted to go and do it. Yes, he came on at half-time against Crystal Palace. We all know the, what happened then. But there's something that doesn't quite add up with that. Um, and I wonder whether that's something to do with how he is in training or... I don't know. I know the Mourinho chat's been doing the rounds on, on social media this year that he had with him at Spurs. I, I don't know. I, it, it just it strikes me as strange that situation um, and I can't put my finger on why um, I, I, I completely get where we've got to with it yes he isn't a 10 million pound football footballer, footballer for us right now let's kind of cut this before it gets any worse but why hasn't it I don't get it <laughs> I think you're echoing the uh, the thoughts of everyone in the football world really um, you know only only he will know I think the Mourinho chat is is pertinent because there is something going on there. Perhaps a player that you know just had too much too soon. I mean, these kids, if they make it big at that, you know, 18 years old, 19, they're earning an absolute packet at these big clubs. It can suck a lot of the desire out of you, you know, to, to keep grinding for 10, 15 year career. You know, he gets to 25, and clearly something, some, some fire has gone out in him. Is is what it looks like. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm really gutted that it, it isn't going to work out. I'd... I mean, I've always known that it probably wouldn't go as, you know, the, the dream that we all hoped that we'd get him back to fitness and form and that he'd be, you know, the top player he was. But even saying that, watching him live at Goodison from a seat in the Gladys Street, even though his cameos, he doesn't do much, the the little that he does is still quite special. It, it's just the, the way he uses his body in possession, the way he uses his body to sort of shield the defender off the ball and his position and his movement you can see what a top... Because when he was at Tottenham, I didn't really get the hype. But seeing him live, I completely understand why he was seen as such a top player, just from the few cameos that, as we said, he hasn't 
done anything really in an Everton shirt, but just watching him on the ball, off the ball, there's a very, very, very clever player in there. And it, it's it's just a shame that we've not been able to see that. But when you look at the money and the situation we're in, it is probably a sensible move by Everton. But as Andy mentioned, you know, he did come on at Palace. And I personally think he played a major role in keeping us up, basically, in that game. Um, because I think what Everton don't have is nous and savviness. And I think he's got it in abundance. And I think he was a real mm-hmm. a real game-changer in that game. And honestly, the difference it could make, it it's quite similar. I'm not, I'm not comparing the two players, but the impact that Hamas Rodriguez had on Everton, just in the few cameos he made, I feel like Deli Ali, a year on, if he was able to get back to where he was, I think he could have had a similar just bearing on the team and influence because I think he is just a level above everybody else on the Everton pitch. I feel similar, actually. Yeah, I'm a bit frustrated that, that he hasn't actually had more opportunities. He's had a lot, of, a lot of cameos last season, and I still can't quite figure figure why he didn't start either the last two games. But I've, I, I think the times that he's come on, that, that he's come on and played, he's done quite, he's done quite well most of the times. There's a lot of times last season I thought. He should. They should, they should try and accommodate him somehow because he offers so much in attack. At times when we were lacking, when Dominic was injured or, or whatever, I'm a bit frustrated that it, that he wasn't given more opportunities. As you say, Andy, there could be reasons. There could be other reasons behind that that we don't know. Maybe his attitude stinks in training. Whatever we don't know. Yeah, you know, we can only speculate. Obviously, I'm just frustrated that that he hasn't had more opportunities. In terms of him leaving, he might as well because he's not getting opportunities. If Everton aren't going to use him. Uh, aren't going to play him then there's, there's not a lot of value in anybody ha- in, in him hanging around Everton paying 10 million quid it's no good for him he might as well move and play it's no good for us really having what well, end up being an unhappy player around I just I just find the whole thing a bit frustrating because I think he's a very very good player there and I think he's showing that he's a good player when he's played that, that that's the frustration for me he's showing that he has got the ability and uh, you tell me he's he's stunk the place out when he's played when he's come on. I don't think so. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't mean that's fair. I think on the contrary, he's changed a lot of games. The Palace one being one. Leicester at home last season came on was important to getting a point. Baffled and frustrated that he hasn't had more opportunities. But if they're if they're not going to play him, don't pay ten million quid to not play him. You might as well move him. I think that's. Uh, I think that's fair. That's exactly what I meant. You've put it a lot better than me. <laughs> In that, you, you, you know, you can see you can see the player there. I don't get why we haven't seen more of that player. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so you might as well move on. Wish him well, and I guess it's just one of them. It's it's kind of feels like I don't know, just kicking it down the road a little bit because it's you know it'll come back next summer. For, for see, that's probably what I have him permanently because they probably they'd probably see it as oh we're taking one low for the year. Then he's back to you, and then Everton. I don't know. I guess Everton probably just hoping he does well there, and then somebody else wants to sign him and pay and take on that deal or, or whatever. And how that works for Spurs, I don't know. I mean, uh, Levy's a you know he's a you know, tough customer to deal with, isn't he? Daniel Levy with these sort of things, I can't imagine he's uh, delighted about this. I don't know how that uh, <laughs> how that deal's going to pad out with Spurs. I've got no idea, but I don't know. I guess we've got to stand up and go, hey, you know, that's the deal. And <laughs> I guess we won't be signing, signing any Spurs players this summer. <laughs> I think they get to twenty five percent of anything that we receive, either by loan payment or in transfer. I think that's what that's what that's what happens with Spurs. But uh, okay. I, I think you know the the, the Hammers Rodriguez comparison is actually quite a good one because they're both luxuries that we couldn't afford to to hold on to, yeah. 
um, you know, even given the, the, the impacts that they have as sporadic as they may be, I think you take that 10 million pound payment that's due this season out the equation. Um, and he, he's the kind of player that you can have around and integrate in slowly. Um, I could, like you, I could understand how he wasn't sort of trusted in games where we really just needed to find points, just scrap for points last season. But to begin this season, when we had a player who's quite, quite capable of playing that that false nine role you know he's played as a as a, as a forward play he's played off harry kane at tottenham um very successfully he's got the size you know as l as you were saying he can hold the ball up well he's really savvy quite why he wasn't trusted with that role i think again comes back down to this this just this enigma that surrounds him and it, yeah it's it's a massive shame i mean i was listening to um to dave downey saying on the blue room podcast he was talking about how there's a reason that certain players end up at Everton, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. But there's also, if you look at Mikel Arteta and Steven Pina, those were players who needed to resurrect their careers and came to Everton, and clearly, obviously, had the right manager to do so. But it's you know, it's it's it, this this wasn't doomed to failure. It's just really sad that it hasn't worked out because we could really do with someone like him. <laughs> Look at his age as well. He's only 25 as well. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, the, you know, yeah. somebody still thinks, yeah. like, well, it's worth the money to invest in. You're not going to get you know, a 25 year old that good <laughs> for like yeah, for 10 million quid now. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about yeah. sort of value for money, what's around? I mean, and for, yeah, there's, you, you're probably right in that there, Andy, that there's, it's, yeah, that there's probably, that it, it, it kind of makes like it, it kind of makes it unbelievable if if there isn't more to it if you know if you know what I mean because like why why else would you know why else wouldn't he be playing or wouldn't be getting opportunities it's uh, it's frankly bizarre um, yeah let's see what we get instead all right looking ahead to Forest um, one player that we kind of briefly mentioned but who I think is going to be very much central to Evertonian thinking coming into this one is Amadou Anana. Uh, I only saw him for 10 minutes, but an interesting 10 minutes that he had. Uh, obviously, uh, gave away the, the, the ball for the, for the Villa goal, but then went straight back down the other end and got us right back into it. Um, I think we were, we were talking last week about how excited we were to see him, um, and none of that's changed having, having watched him. I think he, um, he it would, it would combine, the, the, obviously, the talent that he has, Combine that with the uh, just the exuberance of youth, which I think we saw uh, at Villa, and I think we have you know a really exciting player on our hands. Um, I have absolutely no problem with the way that he that he lost the ball in midfield because he was clearly just trying to drive us forward, um, you know, and we were short at the back because we were pushing for pushing for an equaliser, um, and in a situation like that, what you want from from your player is someone who who will just shrug that off immediately, take you back up the other end, um, force a goal, almost score the winner. Um, I don't think, I think, um, <laughs> let's say that Adrissagate comes in this week. I think given that he's now two weeks out of action and he's been training on his own, I don't think he starts. Um, I would I would like to see Anana start, start, particularly as there's now going to be this doubt over um, Abdullah Dekore. I think we'll, suppose we'll find out tomorrow in, in uh, Frank Lampard's press conference whether to Corey has a problem that's actually going to keep him out, whether it was just a precaution that he came off. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the the fans will be itching to see Anana start. But does he? That's the question. Well, someone's put him on the front of the program already. 
<laughs> have you seen that? I mean, the, the whole of the front of the program is basically his life story. So, I, I, I mean, do, 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 is that a sanction through the club that he's going to be ten minutes off the bench again? I don't. I, it doesn't sound like it, does it? Uh, it's either that no. or some very inventive mind games, isn't it? By <laughs> by Frank to <laughs> get, get him on the front of the that, that'll make them think he's starting. <laughs> It just feels like um, just feels like it's good, especially if there's a problem with Takore. It just feels like he's had another week. Um, he's been front of centre of all the training ground shots, and uh, I think he, Everton even posted the question on Twitter, didn't they? Does he start at the weekend Blues or something like that? I mean, that's a that's mm-hmm. a question you already know the answer to, isn't it? Surely, if you're asking it, um, um, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't really, and. Um, well, could be anything, couldn't it? If you times that ten minutes by nine, we could have all sorts by the end of it. <laughs> we could, yeah. I'm excited. I think actually this is the first signing for quite a while that I'm genuinely excited to watch in terms of, you know, he's got clearly got all the armoury you'd ever need and we might just be able to see something genuinely special kind of you know, build. I'm not suggesting he's going to kind of be the finished product straight away. We all know he's not, but um, he's one of the few signings I can think of in recent times, actually, where his age and his clear ability is genuinely exciting. And yes, we we will happily give him the, the leeway of what happened in the first few minutes against Villa. If he can bring gradually what happened in the next five minutes, you know, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bang up for it. Put him on every program, billboard, you know, everything. <laughs> just let's just get him up there. I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I hope it's not famous last words, but Anana Sain has actually given me hope for for sort of Everton's future that we can get back on track because I think his his profile, his age, the transfer. I I feel like when Farad Mashiri first walked through the doors at Everton and and had this sort of blank checkbook. Anana was exactly the sort of player that I hoped we would that we would sign. You know, young, um, plenty of talent. He's played in one of the big leagues. Um, You know, and I I hate to talk about resale value and looking far ahead. I want to know what they're going to do on the pitch, but there is that element as well. That if if he does go on to be a world beater, if he does, you know, if if he catches the eye of of Europe's you know top top clubs. Then that's another positive. It, it's really, you know, it ticks every box of every Evertonian, you know, that that you have things that you know we look at in terms of what they can do on the pitch, how it benefits the club in the here and now, in the long term. And I think it's just an absolutely spot on signing. And you know, amid the the free transfers that we've had to do and the the sort of the big money flops, although we've spent a lot of money on him, he's exactly the sort of profile that we should be going for. So that. That for me is just really positive. That going forward, once we sort the squad out a bit, hopefully we'll see more in our honours. Yeah, I'm already gutted that we have to sell him for sixty million pounds to Real Madrid in two years' time. 
<laughs> so that we can sign the striker that we still haven't signed. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that striker best be good by then. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not actually that convinced he'll start on Saturday myself. You know, uh, call me crazy, whatever. I don't. I mean, like, who's going to hold? Like, they, like Tom Davis. I think Tom Davis did enough to earn the right to start. I think to be fair, I thought he did a very good game from coming on Davis. I mean, could you see David? And do we need three at the back at home to Forest? Yeah, I mean, what are we saying? Do we, need, you know, do we have a Davis and an Anna? Is that too much to ask? Have like a Davis and Anna and a Wobie in one midfield, or a defensive minor player? You know, and, and Davis is the only one at the moment. And you know, do we do we really need them three centre backs? I just feel like diminishes all when we haven't really got any attackers or any striker. Do we not need someone a bit further up the pitch? to create a bit more I don't know I actually had that as a discussion point for this week that we haven't actually mentioned is is how how what's what's the shelf life of of this three-man or five-man defense because I still don't I'm still not convinced by it I still think we need three in midfield I think when you've got someone if you've got a Decore uh, Adrissa Gay and Onana I think you can play that three obviously we can't do it right now um but I just think we we lose too much by having three central defenders, and you know, with our fullbacks are still not getting up the pitch as high as I would like. And again, obviously there are reasons for that. Um, but uh, and I and I'm not sure that that Onana is going to end up being a holding player either. I think he's got too no. much about him going forward, and that's what that's what excites me is that he could be um, a lot more from a from an attacking standpoint than I think we were expecting. So, exactly. So if we're playing two, I don't think we can reasonably play an honor and a Wobi together. We haven't got a holder, really. I don't think you can really ask an honor to now be that holding player. So I think if you're playing, if so if you're playing an Arnie, I think you either you're putting him in with Davis and you're putting a Wobi out onto one of the wide positions in place of, let's say McNeil, because he's been pretty pretty poor. Let's be fair. I think the first mm-hmm. two games don't invite him off too early, obviously. Yeah. Uh, or you're taking the defensive centre back out and you're giving him that three man midfield. I'd prefer to go that way myself. Um, and I don't think surely at home to. I mean, like we went, we used to complain enough about it, didn't we? When you know, when whether it be Marcus Silva or Martinez would say, "Oh, you're playing this many centre backs at home to insert team West Brom, whatever." You know what I mean? Like it. You know, so I don't like to think we can be a bit more adventurous when we're at home. Um, I understand that, that that formation suits the players, particularly away at tough opposition. Uh, or at home to tough opposition, certain games, fine. But I'd like to think we had a bit of adaptability about us. We've certainly got enough centre backs there to show that we should be able to adapt enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, if an honor plays, I think it has to be in a three-man midfield. I don't think it can uh, at this point anyway. I don't think he it can be in a in a two. In which case, we'd have to take a centre back out. That's that's the way I see it. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. That's that's the way I look at it. I wonder whether that might actually be flipped on its head in that Lampard might think that this is a game where we should be attack, you know, be able to attack more and actually the midfield too will express that rather than change of system. You know, different types of players in there. So he could go with two more offensive central midfielders, for example, rather than changing the system to a more offensive system. I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm not in his head, but maybe that's a way of being more offensive whilst keeping the system that they've played in recent weeks which they are clearly taking on board you know there's definite signs of improvement um i wonder whether he'll be a bit more offensive in the center of the park that that could end in tears but um 
maybe he maybe he will see that against if we're going to say at home to Nottingham Forest we do something different than we would away at Chelsea for example then maybe he think well we don't need a sitting midfielder for, for, for that game we've got three centre-halves but no just a thought yeah I think my, my way around it would be to play Michelenko as that left centre-back which we saw briefly against um, Chelsea and have Vinagre on uh, on left wing back because I think I, I was like about to say them. yeah I was about to say he's a really good cross with the ball and then I thought he can cross all day but there's no one in the box to finish. Exactly. It's been a key thing for every Everton manager since Martinez. You look at all the teams and how they set up. For seven years, we've been negating weaknesses all over the team. The reason managers revert to the three is because the centre backs haven't been good enough, or you know. Ronald Koeman played Dominic Calvert-Lewin at right wing back once because we didn't sign Olivier Giroud. He just completely lost his head with with not having that focal point. Um, so it is. I feel like the managers, in terms of the, it does always go back to recruit. Every problem Everton have had for years goes back to recruitment and not having a a functional team. And I think I think that that the three defenders. I, I went to the Dynamo Care friendly and I thought we looked well set up. But again, that was because Calvert-Lewin was on the pitch. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely, I think there is, there's definitely a system there, and I can see what he's trying to do. But again, if you don't have the cogs for the machine, it's not going to work. Um, so it, it will it'll just be really interesting as well because Lampard's in a bit of a difficult situation now because if he sticks with the with the three players in the front three that he has done for the first two games, you know the fans will look and think, well, it hasn't worked. But you look at it and you think. If Rondon isn't fit enough in his eyes, or if Deli Ali's on the move, where are the options? I, I don't really know what he can do. So it's just a shame that I think he's yeah. done really well. And I think what's good about Lampard is I think he was quite open and attacking in some games when he first arrived at Everton. And I think he, you know, he's not a stubborn manager. I think he's looked and assessed at what we've got. And I think to be fair, he's probably set the team up in the best way to get the not to get the best out of the players, but to hide the worst of them, if that makes sense. So I, I think he's sort of, I think he's done well there. So it will, it'll just be really interesting to see how we set up on uh, on Saturday. Be worth saying as well, three at the back doesn't mean defensive. You know, if if the two fullbacks that who, who we want to be in the game more are given more freedom because we're playing at home and it's against maybe one of the lesser teams. If the centre of the park looks a bit different, you can be a very attacking team playing three centre-halves. You know, um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that we should definitely play four at the back. Um, but again, it's, 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 it's pegs and holes, isn't it? Just, yeah. It strikes me as it's just like the... It feels like they're going like three at the back to get. Let's get solid. Let's like hey, I haven't got I haven't got much up top. Let's get solid. Let's be tough to beat. But we've lost both games, and obviously that's it's not probably as black and white as that. And the reason got three at the back, and yeah, you can be attacking like that. But I just think if you're losing the if you're losing the games anyway, going three at the back, then what's to say venture a bit further forward and get another man further forward at the pitch? You know what I mean? And, you know, I think a Forest at home, if you're if you're not giving it that go, I don't know. Well, that, that, put it this way, he, he really puts leaves himself open to criticism if we lose briefly at the back at Forest at home. I think is 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 one way of looking at it. I'm, I'm sure he's not looking at it thinking, "Oh, we're going to lose this game." Of course not. But um, 
Yeah, I'd just like to see his other go a bit more because it just feels so blunt at the moment. But we all know the reasons why, and we can just go right back and rewind to the start and go back to the conversation we had about uh, not having a striker, <laughs> can't we? And we're just being this endless yeah. loop, probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, until they sort out a striker, we're, we're going to continue to have problems, probably, whatever, whatever formation we play. This is the internal workings of the Nevertonian's brain, isn't it? We've just gone in a, in a, <laughs> You start with something, and then you think, no, actually, that, that, and that. Oh, no, but we still haven't got <laughs> And repeat, and repeat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> rinse and repeat. All right. Well, yeah, we'll have to see what see what he goes with. I mean, it, it, we had you know ten minutes at the end where we'd gone forward the back um, and had a go, and you know it almost worked. So we'll see what he does this weekend. Um, I think we can probably assume that with all the talk about Deli Ali going to um, to Turkey, that he probably won't be in the starting eleven. Um, but his uh, talking about him. Uh, is, is quite apt for um, for the question that we tackle every week. If you're new to the podcast, every week we tackle a uh, uh, a question. And uh, this week, uh, the question is, who is the player of the Premier League era who just really didn't work out? And to phrase it a bit more uncharitably, who's the biggest flop of the Premier League era for uh, at Everton? This could be a documentary series, couldn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, having written down these names on a bit of paper here, I, I had to have a kind of cold shower afterwards. Um, I was rocking in a corner for quite some time. There's quite a few of them. Um, I've got four main ones. Um, the one I'm going to go for is the one that made me most excited at the time. And going back to what um, Elle said, that this is the kind of signing that I thought we were going to make a lot and it was going to work. Um, I'm going for Moyes Keane um, because at the time I thought, wow, we've got one of the best young players from around the continent. We've got him early before he's done too much. He can grow. He can be a better player with us. We're going to get his best years. He may well go off and play for Barcelona at the end of it, but this is the, exactly the kind of route we're going. Then we had the press conference with his mum and Marcel Brand said, don't worry, we'll look after him. And I was thinking, yes, Marcel, yes, <laughs> this is the new Everton. Here we go. Um, and oh, I don't know whether it was, I don't know whether it was this bad every week, but for me, there was almost nothing that he showed on the pitch to suggest he was a 25 million pound striker. It was it was just never going to work, was it? No, sadly, no. <laughs> he was uh, he was mine as well, actually, Moise Keane. I, <clears throat> I think like such a disappointment. I think you, when you're looking at like a biggest flop, I guess you look at uh, expectation, uh, cost, etc. You know, you can, play, you can blame a ton of players who were just, just crap and didn't work out. But like, you're obviously looking at ones with with big expectation, Moise Keane. Definitely for me. Such a disappointment didn't work out. Another one, actually, we, we, we touched on at the end of... Um, it was, I don't know if it was off or on air, I forget. It was uh, at the end of a podcast year, the other week, about uh, names we had on the back of our shirts, which probably ties into this a little bit. <laughs> and um, this, this was quite the flop. I thought it was... Uh, I had the number seven on the back of my shirt, uh, Samways, which I thought <laughs> which I thought was... An, uh, like the manager who signed him, I suppose, was like an incredible flop. Um for you know, a fair chunk of money and he was quickly out with the team as soon as Joe, Joe World was there but at that point in the time a few million quid was 
a lot, quite a lot of money to spend on a player. And for that was like a really, uh, yeah, ended up being a really poor signing. And one of them we couldn't get rid of for quite a long time as well. So uh, that was my, that was my sort of other one as well. I was at Wembley that day when he scored in the Charity Shield. Do you remember him walking around, oh, yeah. walking around Wembley with his socks around his uh, ankles after the game? I was thinking, ah, there might be a player in here. There might be a player. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> Um, I, th- I think mine would be in, just in terms of that expectation, and it just not happened at all. I think Davy Classen as well. He yeah. he, he mm-hmm. came with you know he he done wonders for Ajax. Seemed to be a real talisman for them. You know, full of energy. And um, for us, he just looked completely lost. Um, but I think I think you know other names were the, the season we finished top four that summer. Um, Andy van der Maeda as well. You know, we know we had a lot of off-pitch things going on. But it was just to, to, for me, who my first game was 96, to to see a player who'd played in the Champions League against Arsenal at Highbury, played for Inter Milan and Ajax, to me that was just mind-blowing that he was then at Everton. And it was the same for, I mean, it's got to be something to do with Everton because we had Matteo Ferrari, who'd captained Roma, played for Palmer and he couldn't get in ahead of Alan Stubbs and David Weir and again Alan Stubbs and David Weir great solid players good Premier League players but it, it, it's just when when anybody arrives at Everton with a with a big reputation we seem to just strip it away from them as soon as they walk through the door it, it, it's bizarre it, it's the same with Moise Keane it's <laughs> he came with so much promise it, you know it's it's one of those, probably for my generation especially, that you, you can't believe you've signed this player. I mean, it, it just doesn't go to plan at all. And it, it just seems to be a regular thing. Any, any player with a bit of quality, whether it's fitness, personal things, Everton, just, you know, the the, the right place at the wrong time maybe, just doesn't go to plan. And for me, it was it was Davy Classen, I think, that for the overall sort of package and then disappointments, I, th- I think he's the one for me. Yeah, David Classen was was mine too. Because um, I, I rationalized it as you did, Paul, that when you weigh up the, um, the expectation versus the um, you know the cost of the transfer, and then for me, I think the clincher is just how much we lost on that deal. Um, you know, we've had some some players that have flopped, but uh, you know, uh, Moise Keane, I think would would take it in terms of your expectation and your excitement just being not being fulfilled. Um, I, I remember at the time having a slight concern at the back of my mind, saying, "Well, why are why are Juventus letting him go if he's that great?" You know, I know we we paid a lot of money for him, but ultimately we we looks like we're going to recoup that and get a little bit more. Whereas, um, you know, David Classen, we've we lost twelve million pounds on on in that deal. <clears throat> um, you know, at a time when it it felt like we could afford it, but in retrospect, we really really couldn't. Um, and it's one just one another one of those. Um, you know those damaging, damaging deals. Um, when you look back on it, another one of those players that we didn't really seem to have much competition for, and yet we've lashed twenty-four million pounds <laughs> on a player um, that you know it wasn't really, it wasn't a, a bidding war. You know, we were the only, really the only ones you know willing to, to, to throw that much money at it. Um, so yeah, so it comes down to um, to, to expectation and, and also yeah, just how much how much we threw at it in the beginning because you could say someone like Sandra Ramirez you know was a flop but we only paid you know was it four or five million for him it's the, you know with the, with that kind of purple patch season that he had in La Liga that one time when I think he scored 16 goals you're looking at that and saying that's actually a reasonable fee um, yeah he turned out to be 
terrible signing. But, uh, you know, in terms of the amount of money that we lost on it, um, it just wasn't as much as that Klassen was. So yeah, David Klassen was the one that uh, that took it from me. I also wrote down Pear Coldrup. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether that's all I should say about that. I'll just leave that there. But um, I was actually at his one game. Was there anybody else at Villa that day? Yeah. Oh, no. It was a Boxing Day game no. at Villa, wasn't it? And it says a, probably says a lot mm. about me. Um I came, I came away, we got beat 4-0 on Boxing Day. I had to sit in, in the main stand with the Villa fans, an experience I've never forgotten, you know, being 4-0 up on Boxing Day and they were still moaning. Um, and I came away from that game and thought, oh, well, at least the new centre-half's all right. I don't know what I was looking at. I really don't know what I was looking at because um, looking back, apparently all the reports say he was abysmal. Um, but he only played one game and we lost, what, 4 million quid, did we? But... Something that was like the only that, other yeah. name I had, apart from the ones mentioned. <laughs> but his pair was gone quick. It was like, right, he's no good. He's out of here. You know what I mean? It wasn't one that was like, you know, linger him on for years, like many of them have. You know what I mean? It's, um, made a good point about Andy Van der Media there, actually, as well. He was like, uh, I guess one thing is, suppose, with his injuries and that, we got him a little, we didn't pay a load of money for him. But yeah, he was very, very exciting thing at the time. That made me think, actually, ooh, James Beattie, that was a disappointment, wasn't it? I thought, yeah, I expected a lot more yeah. from Beattie. I was very excited with Nike, and that's one which I hadn't thought of earlier. But um, yeah, we could, we could go on for hours, probably. It could, so, be, yeah. a, it could be a long discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, uh, that'll do it for another week. Uh, let's see how Everton get on with uh, the next step in their uh, grand experiment of playing a, a 5-5-0 formation. Uh, and beyond that, if there's any movement in the transfer market in terms of ins and outs in the coming days. Uh, my thanks to Al, to Paul, uh, to Andy from the Italian Bureau. <laughs> we'll be back, I guess, uh, on Wednesday next week after the Carabao Cup tie against Fleetwood uh, with plenty to discuss, I'm sure. So until then... All the best blues and up those toppies. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 